Chapter 4, Getting on Base Pete had learned to recognize that look of hungry desperation in the eyes of a young leader. The look that says, I may not know what I'm doing, but I care enough to find out why. Well, once you've clarified the win, you have to figure out the best way to get there. And for you, this is where it gets really practical. You can remain philosophical about life change being the win and lives won't change. Or you can figure out where and how life change happens best and then move people there. What do you mean, Ray asked. Like I said before, the goal in baseball is to get to home plate. That's where a win occurs. You have to decide where a win happens best for you. Is it your Sunday morning service or somewhere else? Once you know where it is, then you have to take the steps necessary to get there. Pete? Ray interrupted. I hate to interrupt you again, but I was planning on watching a baseball game tonight, not taking notes. Look, son, I said we could just watch the game, but you asked me what the second... No, it's not that, Ray stammered. I was just wondering if you had anything I could write some of this down on. Pete smiled. Sure, Ray, no problem. Pete motioned for the attendant, and in no time, Ray had a pad and a clipboard bearing the team logo. As I was saying, Pete continued, in baseball, the first step is getting to the first base. It's the first step for any batter. The ultimate goal is to get home and score, but you can't do that without getting to first. You see this guy coming to the plate right now, he asked. Ray recognized the opposing player. Yes. He's one of their best hitters and fastest runners. That's why he's at the top of their lineup. His goal is to get on first. Then he must find a way, with the help of his team, to get to second, third, and finally home. Thanks for clearing that up, Ray thought. This isn't rocket science, Ray. All I'm saying is that you have to figure out the best way to change lives and do that one step at a time. In other words, think steps, not programs. But there are a lot of ways to affect life change, Ray said defensively. He was thinking about the weekly calendar of events at the church, Sunday morning services, Sunday school, Sunday night service, Monday night of visitation, Wednesday night prayer meeting, leadership meetings, recreation leagues, and now the prospect of a school on top of all of that. Programs lead to life change, he finally said. They can lead to life change, or they can just become a way of life, Pete offered. The tendency in business, or in church work for that matter, is to mistake activity for progress. We think that just because people are busy and doing a lot of stuff that we are being successful. The fact of the matter is, if all that activity isn't taking you where you want to go, then it's just wasted time. You see, Ray, it's not enough that you clarify the win if how to get there is unclear or worse, impossible. In fact, you'll frustrate people more by giving them a clear vision without a strategy for achieving it. Practice number two, think steps, not programs. So what makes a good step? It has to be easy, obvious, and strategic, Pete said. Ray held his hand up to stop Pete as he wrote furiously on his pad. What do those terms mean? If it's not easy for people to do, then they won't do it. You can blame their lack of commitment if you want, but ultimately It's your fault because you expected too much out of them. I learned that early on with some of my internet dealings. One of my companies tried to pump up their internet sales, but the effort fell flat. It turns out that people wanted to buy online, but our process was so difficult that the majority of buyers quit in the middle of the transaction. It wasn't easy. But sometimes things that are valuable don't come easily, Ray countered. 
That's why you break them down into steps that are easy. That way, you raise the likelihood of achieving your goal. Second, a good step has to be obvious or your people may go the wrong way. This is sort of like clarifying the win on each step. You don't want them to have to guess where second base is. And finally, and most importantly, it has to be strategic. Strategic? In other words, it's part of a strategy for moving your people from one place to another, from first to second to third and then home. In your case, from one place in their lives to another. If a program isn't a step that is part of a strategy, then it can waste a lot of time and money, and in your case, life. I don't think we've started any bad programs yet, Ray said, trying not to be defensive. That's the problem, Ray. It's usually good things that knock you off target. Now Ray was getting a headache. Ray, do you remember Johnny Tuminello, the all-star third baseman? Sure, I still can't believe you let him get away. Get away? I traded him on purpose. Why? He was great. 42 home runs and runner-up for the batting title, if I remember correctly. Oh, you remember correctly. What you don't know is that he was more concerned with his personal stats and marketability than he was with the success of the team. He was a great player, but he wasn't great for the team. In the same way, you can cover your people up with programs that look great on the outside, but without a strategy, you won't end up where you want. It's like an old adage that a flood is just a river that couldn't decide where it wanted to go. Ray had to admit that he had never thought of ministry in those terms. He had done what he had always seen done in much the same way it had always been done. What would a strategy for changing lives look like? What steps were missing? Which ones had he stumbled onto without even knowing? Skipping ahead to chapter 11, think steps, not programs. Before you start anything, make sure it takes you where you need to go. I remember trying to explain batting averages to my son when he started Little League. He was convinced that any time he hit the ball, it should make his batting average go up. The problem is that a hit is not really a hit unless you get on base. A hitter can slam the ball to the fence, but if it's caught in the air, he's out. And if he's out, the play is calculated negatively against his batting average. It may not seem fair to a little leaguer for a powerful line drive or a towering fly ball to hurt his batting average, but it doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball if it doesn't get you where you need to go. The object of the game is not to hit the ball hard, but to get to home plate. And the only way you get to home plate is to go to first base. So the strategy for every batter is clear. He has to hit the ball somewhere strategically so he will have time to get to first base or in some cases move another runner to the next base. It may not be easy to do, but at least it's simple to understand. Some organizations are like little league batters. If they just hit the ball anywhere, they get excited and feel good about what they've done. It doesn't really matter if they get on base or if what they do actually gets them where they want to go. They're just trying to hit the ball somewhere. They're not necessarily thinking about home plate or the steps it takes to get there. It may be that no one in the organization has ever pointed out home plate or explained the strategy to get there. Imagine what baseball would be like if no one knew where home was. The action on the field would be chaotic and confusing. It's always difficult to have a good strategy if you don't know where you're going. Unfortunately, churches have a reputation for doing ministry without an end in mind. 
They build as many rooms as possible to reach as many people as possible. They start new ministries to target a variety of different social issues. They create more programs to meet the growing needs of those who are attending. It all makes sense. It all seems right. It even feels productive. But there is no overall strategy and no runners are moving toward home. The question they should be asking is not, are we hitting the ball, but rather, are we getting on base? Are we going in the right direction? Are we getting closer to home plate? It's possible they don't even know where home plate is. Thinking steps versus thinking programs. We adopted the phrase thinking steps, not programs, because many of us were aware of the complexity that can develop during years of adding new programs to a church. We had all seen firsthand how competing programs can fight for budgets, calendars, and volunteers. We had learned the hard way that the gravitational pull of a church is usually toward over-programming. During the first few years of our existence, we made a deliberate decision to fight for simplicity in our church model. At times, we seem ruthless, maybe even unkind, and because of our determination to say no to everything that could keep us from arriving safely at what we had determined was home plate. There is a definite distinction to be made between a step and a program. According to the American Heritage Dictionary, a program is a system of services, opportunities, or projects usually designed to meet a social need. Most churches are fairly effective at designing programs to meet needs, and the church staff usually feel like it is their responsibility to understand the needs of their congregation and community and establish the appropriate programs to meet those needs. When you think programs, your inclination tends to be to create something in order to meet specific needs that have surfaced in your attendee base or target group. When you think steps, there is a fundamental difference in your perspective. Now the primary goal is not to meet someone's need, but rather to help someone get where they need to go. Notice how the same dictionary defines a step. One of a series of actions, processes, or measures taken to achieve a goal. A step is part of a series of actions that systematically takes a person somewhere. To state it another way, when you think programs, you start by asking, what is the need? The first question is logically followed by a second question, how are we going to meet that need? The result is a program-oriented ministry. It is designed to meet a need. When you think steps, you start asking, where do we want people to be? That question is followed by a second, more strategic question. How are we going to get them there? The result is a ministry that works as a step. It has been created to lead someone somewhere. This way of thinking makes a lot of sense in light of what a church is called to do. The mission of North Point Community Church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Our purpose is not that different from many other Christian church. We simply strive to take people from where they are to where they need to go. First, determine where you want people to be, then figure out how you're going to get them there. That's doing ministry with the end in mind. Thinking steps for spiritual growth. When you start thinking steps, you begin thinking specifically about how to help people move to the next stage in their spiritual growth. At specific critical junctures of a Christian life, this may mean a unique environment or ministry in which a church takes a hand and guides a person through. Some of North Point's defining moments as an organization have taken place when one of our teams recognized that a spiritual step was missing from our process. For example, it's difficult for someone to jump from being a seeker to becoming a member. 
So Lane Jones and Sean Say designed Starting Point, a 12-week small group study for seekers and new believers that answers the hard questions and teaches certain foundational truths of Scripture. But Starting Point is not just another Bible study group. It's the only Sunday morning adult class we offer. Starting Point exists because it helps people keep moving. It's not an end in itself. After 12 weeks, the class pushes the participants toward an ongoing community group. So, for a limited amount of time, our leaders hold someone's hand until he or she gets a grip on their faith. Then we try to push them out of the nest and into a small group. Often, churches have a tendency to hold so many studies or classes that they end up holding hands with their adults too long. It's like a baseball team that keeps leaving runners on first. If classes don't keep people moving, if the classes are not viewed as steps, then they can actually work against helping people grow spiritually. Think steps for relational growth. On the other hand, when you think steps, not programs, you will also discover ways to help people grow in their relationships. Every ministry environment you create should help build bridges relationally, and thinking steps will help you leverage your environments to work in harmony with the way relationships naturally flow. For example, people are acquaintances before they become casual friends, and they must spend quality time together before intimate friendships develop. Jesus' command was to make disciples, and after countless hours of debate amongst our leadership team, we have concluded that discipleship happens most naturally in the context of meaningful relationships. And we have learned that meaningful relationships are most likely to develop through the dynamic of an active small group. We are not suggesting that a small group is the only place for discipleship to occur. It just seems to us that discipleship happens best with a group of friends who are doing life together. The bottom line is we've found our answer to the question, where do we want people to be? And once we knew the answer to that question, we began to spend time creating strategies to lead people there. The small group became our home plate. It was the best place for individuals to experience ministry, accountability, and life change. And so we determined not to start any new ministry or environment until we could determine how it would lead people to experience group life. We started thinking in terms of steps, not programs. Environmental Resources During our early days as a church, Andy and his wife Sandra visited another church, And afterward, they had an interesting conversation about how the church treated people who were attending for the first time. Sandra compared the experience to inviting people into your house and then ignoring them. Their observation sparked a lengthy discussion amongst our leadership team about how North Point connects with both visitors and regular attendees. As a result, we came up with three categories to describe how our church environments should help strategically connect people. Just like the rooms of a house can function to help move people from formal introductions to intimate conversations, the environments of a church can work as steps to move people down a relational path to where they experience a sense of belonging and care. We believe that these environments could help people understand how to take the next step spiritually and relationally. From that point on, we began to categorize every environment as a foyer, living room, or kitchen table. Foyer typically describes a larger environment like a worship service, where we are sensitive to the needs of those who may be visiting for the first time. In many cases, it is an entry point for the unchurched, and it is where individuals will get their first impression of the church. The relational goal of a foyer environment is to make sure that people walk away and feel like guests. 
There's also a sense in which the environment strives to change their minds about the role of the church and potentially Christianity in their life. The living room is an environment where a number of people can network and meet one another. These environments are used to host area fellowships and special events for target groups and are positioned as catalysts for relationships. When you are setting up the furniture in a living room, you want to make sure that people can sit facing each other. You want them to be comfortable and have an opportunity to get to know each other at a casual event. Our goal is for people to walk away and feel like they are friends with someone. It is important for people to see that there are potential relationships here where they can make significant connection. We also want their priorities to change and for these people to begin making decisions that keep them moving toward a right relationship with God and to consider participating with Christians in a small group context. The kitchen table is the most intimate of environments. It is primarily what we call our small groups or community group experience. This is where people should be comfortable enough to have meaningful conversations about their life and faith. Community group is where people should begin to feel like they are family. It's a place for someone to experience authentic and quality friendships. Our experience also suggests that this environment is an optimal place for a person's faith to grow. Once we understood the different roles of each environment, it helped us prioritize to meet specific needs, and we became much more sensitive about where people need to ultimately go and what we need to do to help them get there. How to Create an Effective Step Andy walked into our general staff meeting one morning with a handful of construction paper. He took a blue piece of paper and placed it on the floor at one end of the room. Then he walked about 30 feet away and dropped a green piece of paper on the floor. Then he asked us a question. If the blue paper represents groups and the green paper represents our worship service or a foyer environment, then how are we going to get people to move from the green paper to the blue? Andy then selected one of our staff and asked her to stand on the green piece of paper. He then instructed her to step from the green piece of paper to the blue without touching the floor. The staff member said that obviously this was impossible. When Andy asked her why, she said it's too big of a step. It was a simple illustration to show that we needed to be better at creating effective steps. Andy suggested in that meeting that for a step to be effective, it had to be easy, obvious, and strategic. Number one, every step should be easy. In order for someone to be able to take the next step, it can't be too much of a jump. There have been times we are forced to create extra steps because individuals were stuck and it just was too difficult for them to take the next step. For example, it's not easy for someone to get from a worship service of several thousand people to a small group of 12. Even though we had set up area fellowships and other possible steps, they seemed to be too hard for a lot of people to take. So Bill Willits and the group's ministry implemented and perfected GroupLink, an event that organizes into a temporary group people who are not yet involved in one of our regular small groups. It's sort of a short-term turbo group designed to make the process of getting connected a little easier. GroupLink has served as a critical step, helping us to nearly double participation in group life in just one year. Number two, every step has to be obvious. Just because you have created all the right steps doesn't mean that people will automatically take them. People don't like stepping off a cliff into the dark. They have to see where the step is before they are willing to take it. People need to understand where they are now and where they need to go next. 
In order to make the next step obvious, leaders need to consistently explain what's important and what's next. A lack of communication about how steps work and where they are located can keep people from ever getting to where they need to go. Number three, every step must be strategic. If a step is not strategic, then it's not really a step to somewhere. When Alice is lost in Wonderland, she asks the Cheshire cat, Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, the cat answers. When Alice replies that it really doesn't matter, the greening feline says, Then it doesn't matter which way you go. As long as we want to lead people to a specific destination, then it is important that each step continues to move them in a clear direction toward where we want them to go. Whether it's a small group, a worship service, or a classroom, once you have defined the optimal environment where you think people can be discipled, then everything else you do should be positioned to help them get there. A note of caution. It's too easy for an organization to develop programs that lead people in another direction or allow them to get stuck. We call that sideways energy. It's the result of creating less than strategic steps that actually compete with other, more critical steps. A sidebar, replacing a step from North Point's playbook. We actually hired and trained staff to coordinate area fellowships for married couples. These events were designed as monthly living rooms where couples could potentially connect and ultimately get involved in community groups. The gatherings happened in homes throughout the Atlanta area, and hundreds of couples attended every month. Even though, by some standards, these events were successful, the very staff who created and were hired to coordinate them ultimately shut them down. The fellowships were just not as effective as they should have been at connecting people to groups. Amazingly, this same team was primarily responsible for creating the idea of GroupLink to replace the area fellowships for couples. Rather than holding on to the fellowships because they felt personally threatened, They then handed off their idea for group link to a different department. These people literally work themselves out of a job. The truth is, leaders who are more focused on the mission than on the program are extremely valuable to an organization. A step up for the organization. There are several organizational advantages to thinking steps, not programs. Here are just a few. You encourage your teams to depend on each other. You discourage individuals from becoming territorial. You erase the hard lines that exist between departments. You are more likely to uncover anything that is not working. You become more intentional about simplifying what you do. You position leaders to constantly think in terms of the big picture. If you were to walk into a step-oriented environment or one that was designed with a programming mindset, they may feel and look very much the same. On the surface, the distinction between the two approaches may not be obvious but the difference is critical to the overall organization. A program is usually disconnected from other programs and can easily become an island unto itself. A step, on the other hand, is usually connected in an interdependent relationship to the other environments within the organization. By its very nature, a step's success is tied to the organization's success. And that ends chapter 11. Here are the discussion questions to be thinking about improving your game. Where is the ultimate destination in your organization for adults to experience life change? What about students, children? Create a roadmap outlining the steps that lead someone new to this destination. Are there any steps that need to be eliminated because they don't take people where you want them to go? What steps may need to be created to help people to get to the desired destination more effectively? 
Are there steps that take people where you want them to go but have not been clearly communicated? 